1: And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here with my co host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything false every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds like something good to you, make sure you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Our new episodes drop there every Monday, and you can hear my beautiful voice to start your week right in your ears. What a treat. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National, and A to Z Sports Natural.com for everything Zach writes. Well, another week. Another double-digit loss for the Tennessee football team. I happened to be at this game yesterday. Had a couple of friends who are Florida fans invite me to the game. And I said, ah, screw it. Let's just go see what happens. And uh, lo and behold, exactly what I thought would happen happened I w- okay I'll give Pruitt this he scored uh nine more points than I thought they would um all of that all- in garbage time and then uh they didn't hemorrhage as many points to Florida as I thought they would that is something what's up Zach
2: do Florida fans even give you a hard time at that game anymore do they feel sorry for no. you at this point
1: Absolutely not. That was the saddest thing. I mean, obviously, I I was with my friends. They're they're not going to just, like, scream in my face. But there was a whole set of Florida fans sitting, I would say, like, five, six rows in front of us. I mean, just a whole probably 10 or 11 people that were all together, kind of like college-age kids. And they were all cheering, and they they were going, you know, big time. But you just remember back when Tennessee had the possibility of winning this game. Florida fans would yell, I, and, and Tennessee fans back at them. You know, there was real vitriol. There was just uh, that, I, I mean, I guess, honestly, our friends before we went, uh, my, my friend's wife, she was like, "Are, are people, if, we, if we lose this game, are people going to, like, throw stuff at me? And I was like, no, <laughs> not anymore. I mean, if this was 1999, sure, yeah, you're probably going to get pelted with, like, Coke and cotton candy, but not anymore. I, it's just it's sad, and it's it is what it is. And though, yeah, like I, as I was saying, that group they just kind of kept to themselves. It wasn't there; they weren't antagonizing, and there were plenty of Tennessee fans around them to antagonize. And they just that you know it's just not a priority anymore because this game's not a rivalry anymore. No. And I I liked I forget exactly who said it. I believe it was Ron Slay, yesterday, former Tennessee basketball player, on Twitter. He tweeted out that he had seen some Tennessee football players like dapping up. Florida players and like being friendly. And he said that that was the most disgusting thing he'd ever seen. And I kind of read that and I said, sure. I mean, Tennessee athletes, the, the specifically with football the team that you probably hate the most in the modern era is Florida. And I mean, it's just not a rivalry anymore. It's not.
2: Yeah, that's I- where we're at. I agree. Florida Florida looks at Tennessee as an automatic win, kind of like Tennessee used to look at Vanderbilt and Kentucky. I mean, for kids growing up now, 20 years old, that's what this game is to them. Mm-hmm. But as far as the players kind of out there talking to each other before the game, that's not super uncommon these days because these kids grow up going to these camps together. They all know each other. I don't know if that's necessarily unique to Tennessee, Florida, I think that's – you don't see that real hate for another team from college athletes anymore, it doesn't seem like. like Rarely do you see a Jawan Jennings-type player where it's just like, I don't like those guys, and I'm going to go beat them. It, you don't really feel that anymore across college sports, I don't think. Here's my
1: pitch. Uh, make college football hate again. Yeah. <laughs> I love – I love – just to, it, when, when Tennessee is good and you can just give it to another fan base, man, that's, I, I remember one of my best Tennessee football memories was, uh, I guess, Lane Kiffin's year, uh, against Georgia Lane, just kicked their butt up and down the field. And we, me and one of my, my best friends who is, this is a little too much information. He since passed away. RIP, but, uh, One of my best friends and me were sitting, we just bought, we scalped tickets and sat in the middle of the Georgia section. It just happened. That's the way that it, like, happened. And these Georgia fans, if you know, they're grown men who will bark in your face like children. Uh, And it was so fun just sitting there and Tennessee is just rocking Georgia. And you can just turn and go (laughs) right in their face. And I want that. That's what I want. Make these rivalry games rivalry games again. Bring back the hate. I want the vitriol. I don't want to see. Like, I get it. They're friends. Fine. They're college kids. But I want to see more fights and less friendliness. Is that bad to say?
2: I would like to see something more exciting than what we saw (laughs) Saturday (laughs) night. You know, Tennessee loses by 12. The game wasn't really that close. They, They score a late touchdown that doesn't really matter unless you're betting on the game. And it was just a bo- Florida didn't really play that great. I mean, Kyle Trask no. had a ton of yardage because Tennessee's secondary is awful, but they they were very beatable last night. Like a decent team beats Florida last night, and it was just like the game was never. Even when Tennessee was up seven to three in the second quarter, it was like we all know where this is going, and it that's where it went. There was just it was just a very boring mundane game like most tennessee games this year
1: florida played at the level of when they lost to texas a&m texas mm-hmm. a&m just capitalized uh and and ended up beating them yeah florida did not play particularly well yesterday i mean thirty thirty one 31 points they scored 17 points in the first half 14 points in the second half i mean it was not just some kind of inspired play Kyle trask threw 50 passes uh he connected on 35 of them because like you said Tennessee secondary is horrendous. Um yeah, four four touchdowns. But of course that's just it, it kind of comes along with the style of that that offense. I mean, the yeah. guy that I was just and I, I've been impressed by this guy all season long. I mean, Kyle Pitts is just oh, I want that guy to play for the Titans, man.
2: He made some impressive catches for sure. But Trask was putting the ball where like only he could catch it. I mean, he was making NFL yeah. catches out there for sure.
1: Trask he, he does I I don't know if he is truly like inspiring Heisman level, I, and I don't want to take anything away from the kid. But I kind of look and I say, you got Kyle Pitts and Kedaris Tony around you, and he can he can make some throws. But he also made some throws yesterday where I was like, woof, like that was not good. Um, and so I I kind of look and I'm like, this guy he. I said this to somebody last night on Twitter. He reminds me more of the guys at Alabama who have put up gaudy numbers because they're a product of the system, more than he reminds me of, like, an incredible quarterback, if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't remind me of Patrick Mahomes as much as he reminds me of, like, a... I, I don't know who are some of those guys that like won a national title at Alabama, but it was because they were surrounded by seven star players. Oh, like like
2: a, Brody Croyle or somebody. Yeah. That some,
1: some of those guys, he, he is more on the spectrum over there than he is on like the, whoa, throw this guy in a game and he'll go out there and win it for you. I don't know if with, if left with lesser players, he's as good. I mean,
2: well, yeah, I mean. A lot of his passes, he's throwing over the middle, which is, is Tennessee still can't cover there either. It was kind of one of those games where you look at the end and you're like, oh, wow, he has over 400 yards. It doesn't feel like it because he made good throws, but it was nothing spectacular. Uh, Yeah. And that's what's the most frustrating thing about that game last night. It's year three, and you can't capitalize on Florida at home not playing to their full potential. I mean, that wasn't the number six team in the country last night. No. And that's probably Tennessee's defense in the second half played as well as I feel like it can play right now, to be honest. And they still, I mean, they kind of start stopping Florida, and then the offense can't score. And Jeremy Pruitt, the whole offensive staff, they clearly have no plan when it comes to the offense. You've got Harrison Bailey starting, who a couple weeks ago wasn't good enough to start against Arkansas. Then you're pulling him out for a play to put Brian Mauer in, who's supposedly injured this week. And then you put Bailey right back in, and you're pulling him out for Shrout, who also supposedly was dealing with some issues. There was just no clear plan, and it's been that way the whole year. You've seen that a lot from Pruitt when times when he would take uh, Jarrett Garantano out of the games and just roll with one week it's Shrout, one week it's Mauer. If if I saw somebody say it on Twitter, and they're right. If you have four quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, and that's the case with Tennessee.
1: Absolutely, they are just. Throwing everything, like kind of just trying, uh, what if we do this? What if we do this? What if we do that? Like it's just clear that there is just not a set vision for what they want out of this offense and shorts, sure, product of the players, and a whole set of factors. But it's I mean, it's embarrassing. Let's just say that specifically for how much you're paying Cheney. And- Their
2: his whole game plan is give the ball to Eric Gray. And hope he gets a first down on first or second down. And if he doesn't, let's hope that we connect down the field on something. I mean, that's their, seems like that's their whole offensive philosophy. There is no plan. And that's just, for that amount of money, for Chaney and that whole staff, it it really is embarrassing the lack of any just identity. There's nothing there that says this is Tennessee football. It's just a cluster and it's frustrating.
1: There's nothing that you can turn to and say, do it and it will work. Eric Gray is as close as you can get. But you can't just, I mean, he's not Derrick Henry. You can't just go, here's the ball, carry us to victory. Like, he's, he's good, but he's not that good. And it's, we've held the line between the two of us that, you know, I, I don't believe that Cheney just forgot how to coach offense. He's had some of the great offenses I've seen um, over the years, you know, made Nathan Peterman go to Pittsburgh, had one of the best offenses in the history of Tennessee football in 2012. But the through line in all of those is that ultimately they had players that Cheney could work with. I guess that, that Pittsburgh, I, I don't know enough about that offense outside of Peterman to say but outside of Pittsburgh, I mean you had great players at Georgia that he was working with um, and great play that Tennessee team, Tyler Bray was a really good quarterback um, even if that season stunk. Um, and this season it just seems like without the talent, it's either Pruitt getting in the way or it's either Cheney just doesn't know what to do with the set of players that he has. And either of those explanations is disappointing.
2: It's funny that as a kind of an aside, that 2012 offense, uh, that that to me is the last Tennessee offense that you watch. That one you were confident in, two was fun to watch. It was exciting. Yeah. Even in 2015, 2016, I think Tennessee's offensive numbers were were pretty good in 2016 somehow, but it was all because of Josh Dobbs. And even then, the style of play wasn't really. Tennessee football it never felt like that to me. That 2012 team was just that was fun. Tyler Bray had Swider out there, mm-hmm. you know, Justin Hunter and Cordero Patterson. It, there, it was- there's a
1: real, a real beauty to a efficient, well played pro style offense. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they were bringing that year. Yep, because Bray could just deliver. I mean, he could sling it, and and had he had good guys in the wings to catch the ball. And are I mean, I, I just think about it currently like watching when the Titans are cooking this season and they are just imposing their will on people. You just go, man, this is, oh, this is a work of art. And I mean, yeah, you haven't seen that in Tennessee since 2012. You're not going to get it with the guys that you have now. I, in some in some sense, I mean, I think it's dated in college football. I don't think that's what works right now. Um, if you just look at what is working everywhere else. Um, I, I guess in some sense, Alabama, I mean, the players are just so good, they could almost make anything work. But Saban has fluctuated between going more pro style when he had guys that could run. He kind of adapts to that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... The thing it's almost with, just a lost cause. I, I don't know.
2: And the thing with their offense and, and defense, too, I said something last night on Twitter that some people, a lot of people, I think, agreed with. Some people didn't. I said that Tennessee has the talent to win this game. They're just not well coached. I think that's something that a yep. lot of people agree with. I feel like Pruitt almost said the exact same thing in his press conference last night without even realizing it. because uh, <clears> he, <throat> he said – the guys in that locker room in Florida's locker room, aren't that different than the guys in this locker room. And he's trying to make it a point to his team that they, they they're good enough to beat Florida, which I agree with. And I'm, I'm thinking when he's saying that that's on you as a head coach at that point, you're not, I mean, at least he's not going the Butch Jones route and using a, a talent excuse or recruiting excuse depth or any of that. But that's pretty much an indictment on himself as a head coach. When he makes that comment, I'm like, you've, you couldn't have said it any better. You you've pointed out the problem. They're not that different. They should yeah, be in what, this game.
1: When you say that, what is the differentiating factor? If it's not the players, what's the difference? <laughs> you know, and that's so frustrating. And and Pruitt, and we we can get into kind of what he said in, in the press conference, and um, there was kind of a moment where. Pruitt i, I don't want to say he blew up that's not the right way to categorize it but he kind of uh
2: the best uh, some reporter i'm not really familiar with who they are there's some different people i think he's from a tv station uh described it as Pruitt getting sassy in the uh post-game press <laughs> 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 that, uh,
1: that's about right well here i i have it set up uh i i can play here here's the moment this got some people talking and we can uh talk it out after we listed this let's see if I can get it to do correctly here this is Blake Toppenmeyer from the Knoxville News Sentinel asking Pruitt a question to start this out
2: the third downs uh, being a problem at times tonight what uh what did you see being some of the issues in, in those scenarios
0: well Blake I don't know how much you know about football but you know you can play in man-to-man or you can play outside man-to-man. And if they're running inside breaking routes, you like to play them from inside out. You know, there was three times tonight that they converted first downs when we're playing inside man-to-man and they complete balls breaking inside. Um, You know, one time we gave up a first down on third and 12 and we called cover two. you know, in the corner, don't split the zone and get to the sticks. OK, which is the first down marker in case you don't know. Oh, my gosh.
1: So the correct answer to that question is most of what he said there, but without the condescending nonsense, without I don't know how much you know about football. Oh, do you know that the first down marker is the but, but, stop it? Stop it. That's, that's embarrassing.
2: A, that's always that's- the first sign that things are done. I think Butch oh Jones gosh. started, you know, he started getting kind of condescending with reporters uh, before he was fired. And when you get frustrated, and I know a lot about football, you know, I'm the I'm the coach here. You're just a reporter. When you start kind of basing your interactions with reporters on, I know more about football than you. Of course you do. You're football. You coach should paid $4 million <laughs> a year that's your job it's not a reporter's job to know you know some reporters do and some reporters are very knowledgeable about football but yeah. never to the extent of a football coach but his answer there it wasn't just the condescending tone that that i kind of noticed there it's the fact that he's going very in detailed about what went wrong very in depth and he's right we saw some of that the way that his his players or his defensive backs were playing one it's again, back to the coaching Two, It just, it's a coordinator talking. It's not a head coach talking. Yep. And Pruitt, nobody's ever going to question how much the guy knows about football. He's proved it his whole career from his high school career to, you know, three different stops as a defensive coordinator at three different major programs. He's a very bright football mind, but there's a lot of bright football minds out there that aren't head coaches. And i very confident he falls in that category. I know a lot of people. I, I agree with everything you
1: said there. I know there's a lot of people that look at the media as just nothing but an annoyance at Tennessee, and fine, I'll say a little bias. I was in, I was in Tennessee media for about five years, um, and there are definitely reporters. Who are completely unself-aware? They think they're so important. Oh, I'm Dan Walken. You, uh, b- 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 you know, we all have seen those guys. And if we're being completely honest, being a sports reporter is just—it's a frivolous job. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because sports are sports are entertainment. If if sports went away, while they are very enjoyable and they give a lot of people jobs and and enjoyment. If they went away, your life goes on. Like, we realize it's frivolous. And these are people who just report on something that is ultimately frivolous. But they're there, and I got responses when I tweeted about this last night. I got responses. Where they were like, well, the reporters are stupid and Pruitt should be mad and blah, blah.
2: It was a good if, question.
1: If you, yeah, if you don't like reporters, whatever. That That's between you and them. And I, like, I I get it. The the media a lot of time can be total idiots, as I've already said. But that question is completely legitimate and honestly pretty innocuous. Like, it's not offensive. And Pruitt just doesn't want to answer for why he's bad. He doesn't want to talk about how his team stinks and how it's his fault. And that's the bottom line. And I'm sorry. Nobody wants to talk about that. But this stuff doesn't happen to Nick Saban because he wins. And Pruitt has this air about him right now. And there were a number of people that said this last night when I was tweeting about this. They said, Pruitt kind of has, because he's been under Sabin for so long, he has the air of Saban without any of the credentials. And that's what that felt like, where it's like, okay, who are you right now? You're two and five. How about you just answer the question, buddy? Because this, I mean, you, you're not the one that looks good in this scenario, and you need to realize that.
2: Well, he, I mean, that wasn't the only time we got chippy last night either. I think I can't remember if it was Jimmy Himes or not that asked the question about the quarterback competition, and he, his response to that I thought was just completely unacceptable because you've had a revolving door kind of of quarterbacks coming in. We talked about earlier. There's no clear depth chart, no no clear plan, and he goes back into the, you know, quarterbacks that practice the best each week. They're the ones that play. You don't ever have to ask me this question again.
1: Here, here, I think, is that, I believe. Let's see. This is Jimmy Himes at old 991.
0: Played tonight, and if so, why didn't he?
1: Oh, well, he hadn't practiced. Who, who did he ask about there? Sorry, I, let me run it Oh uh, That
2: might have been uh, when, when Jimmy Himes asked about when Garantano. It might have been somebody else that asked uh, oh, okay. the question about the competition. But he was kind of chippy with... With Jimmy Homs. And... Jeremy,
1: um, yeah, here, this this is the full, let's see if this is it. Um,
0: Could Jarrett Garantano have played tonight? And if so, why didn't he? Well, he hadn't practiced in 13 days, Jimmy.
1: Okay.
0: Which a lot of those guys hadn't practiced in 13 days that played. Um, so, it's probably a lot tougher on a quarterback. And
1: I mean, the, Jimmy has a follow-up question after this, but –
2: yeah, yeah, Jimmy Holmes well, has been in in thirteen days. A, Jimmy Holmes yeah. has been covering Tennessee for a long time. He has outlasted many coaches, and I know lots of people make Jimmy Holmes jokes and this and that. But he's a pretty respected figure, like nationally. He's known by a lot of reporters just because he's the guy that's been covering Tennessee for so long. Pruitt isn't going to outlast Jimmy Holmes at Tennessee, <laughs> and and to <laughs> no. just I don't know. His tone there, I, I didn't really appreciate. And, yeah, the,
1: the well, you didn't practice in thirteen days, but then he contradicts himself and he says some of the guys that played tonight, hadn't practiced in thirteen days. Well, then answer the question, like what? Yeah, this is
2: this is just indicative. You can't be niche saving when you're, I think his, I think I said last night, his career record's fifteen and eighteen at this point, I believe Pruitt's. You can't have that niche saving attitude when you have a losing record and you're not even competitive against Tennessee's top rivals.
1: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if he just doesn't understand the, the full kind of meaning. If, if his, if his feeling is, and, and I could see this and this, I mean, if this is true, Tennessee fans should be pissed. Um, but if his feeling is based off of what he's just always seen from Tennessee where he's just like, well, Tennessee's always been mediocre. So I can be not good and be like this. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They've stunk for so long. I mean, when I was at Alabama, we beat them by 40. And so obviously this is like me acting this way is okay. I hope that's not the case. I hope he just is not self-aware. Just not, not thinking about what he's doing. Exasperated, probably angry after getting his butt kicked. Like, that's probably reading into it a little bit too much, but I could see it. And and on top of any of that, he's just a hard-headed, stubborn guy. Clearly, that's the case.
2: That's what's going to do him in at this yeah, point. Yeah, it is. The fact that he can't... Aaron Murray was doing the game last night, and Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback, he took a bit of joy in Pruitt's troubles at Tennessee. And he, especially with Pruitt's comment several weeks ago, a month ago, about the gap closing. You don't see it, but the gap's closing. And like Aaron Murray said, there's nothing to indicate that the gap's closing. The film doesn't show it. The results don't show it. You you just say that. It doesn't mean anything when you're just saying those words without any results. And it pains me because two years ago, SEC Media Days, Aaron Murray blasted. Pruitt and his ability to be a head coach. And I in turn and several others blasted Aaron Murray. I wrote several columns, articles that week, because he just kept making the same comments and the guy was right. Everything he said was right. Pruitt doesn't know how to be a head coach, the CEO of a program. He he just doesn't. And I don't see any point in Tennessee continuing the charade and just letting it last another year. Especially with good options out there to replace him. I know a whole set of them.
1: And let's we can talk about that to kind of in the show because I I feel like that's we'll we'll make people wait for the good stuff. <laughs> that's what everybody wants to hear about, let's be honest. Yeah. Um But yeah, Aaron Murray was right. And that sucks. And Aaron Murray can take a long walk off a short uh pier. But <laughs> he was right. Yep. And it and it is what it is, and it, it Pruitt is. Pruitt is in over his head. That is the bottom line. This is what Butch Jones did at the end. And we've seen it before. And you you know, you can look at you can squint and look at it a different way and kind of be like, but it's not but but it is. It is. It is. Exactly like that. Yeah. It is. Would,
2: would you agree that we know Josh Dobbs masked all the issues for Butch Jones? Do you feel like maybe Jawan yes. Jennings was that guy that did it for Pruitt?
1: I believe I have done some thinking about that, and I think that is absolutely the case. Because I think Jawan Jennings brought the leadership this team needed, brought the fire this team needed, uh, and he was picking up the slack because last year, I mean, defense was about what it is now. I mean, it hasn't really improved if it's not gotten worse. And, uh, you know, I, I think Juwan would just go out there and will it to happen. That was that's who he is as a person. And now you lose that. And the team is is rudderless. I mean, you already said that the offense has no identity. They don't know where they want to go with this thing. And so. Yeah, I absolutely think that's the case that he was pasting over some things him and, and just some. I look at some singular plays, some things that happen, some like really great catches that Josh Palmer made and some different things where it was like, if that doesn't happen probably don't win that game you might look at Pruitt a different way I mean I I hate to say it because I definitely took up for Pruitt after last season I said okay we're seeing improvement we're seeing that this is I'm not convinced I'm far from convinced but we're moving in a decent direction like we're doing okay and we should have known when he lost to Georgia State
2: yep we should have known there is no way that that should have ever 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 happened Especially yep. in year two, and you know, we, people were ready to fly off the fly off the ship at at zero and two after they lost to the BYU and the start. The, the former yeah. talk about him taking over as head coach started, then he reels off this winning streak, and it's like we all forgot about Georgia State. We let it off. We let him off the hood way too easy.
1: Yeah, the the talking point became. Well, if he just would have beaten Georgia State, that's a 10-win season. Mm-hmm. Or Georgia State and BYU. Well, yeah. If he would have just beaten and Georgia the, State.
2: <laughs> and they lost to BYU on the busted coverage. That is, You're a defensive backs guy. It should never happen. Not like that. And it's still happening now. It happened against Auburn. The DBs don't look any better. And I know oh, they talked about the defensive line not getting enough pressure. The defensive line... Played pretty decent last night. I felt like they actually got to Kyle Trask a couple of times, but yeah. he, if he, and even then, a few times they had wide open receivers still that, that weren't being covered in that short amount of time. Like the the secondaries, it hasn't got any better. And you got Pruitt and Derek Angelie, defensive backs guys, and it's not getting better. That right there should be enough. Aside from the whole quarterback situation,
1: if. If you're looking at this as if it's a just a regular company, even, this is how I always kind of like to take it back and put it in. Take it out of football terms because there's so much like wrapped up in what it means to kind of be like a football coach in the SEC and all that stuff. If this is just a business, like Pruitt's a small business owner, or not, not even, he's not the owner. He's hired by the owner to come in. Really, in this case, the fans of the owner. And he is just, I, and in some of the stories that are around Pruitt, he's kind of like browbeating his employees. They don't really like him. Uh, and, you know, sales aren't going up. The business is failing. The guys that he hired who were his friends, you know, he's just, oh, that's my friend from high school. I'm going to bring him in. He'll be the assistant manager. Those guys aren't working out. You know, they're they're not improving anything. They're not making sales. Why would you keep that guy around? That's I like to strip away all the football stuff because people go, well, they need stability. We need stability. That's true. Tennessee does need stability, but you don't need stability with a guy that's going to get blown out by Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Arkansas. You don't need that kind of stability. You don't need a guy who's doing all of this stuff. You need to replace that guy and find the stability with somebody that does a good job. And it's, I mean, that's overly simplistic and you do have to take into account all the different facets of what college football is when you have this discussion. But when you just strip that all away and you say, he is, this isn't working. It's not working. And it hasn't really worked the entire time. Why would you continue to beat yourself over the head with a guy that is just not, gonna make it work and and that's where i'm at
2: he can't make it work and i think i kind of realized it even more last night after the game i'm laying there kind of looking through potential coaches because it's that time i mean it's time to start looking at other guys and who it could possibly be and there's hugh freeze there's matt campbell at iowa state there's a the guy at coastal carolina Building Napier, you know, all these names start popping up, and I start looking at what makes those guys successful. What's made other coaches successful? What's made Dabo Sweeney successful? What's made PJ Fluck successful? Even Nick Saban, and it's the fact that they're all great motivators. Nick Saban might not come off that way, but he is. He talks about the process. I mean, some of the things he says, if you go and watch his press conferences, interviews are very he has a different way of saying it because he's more candid, but it's the same cheesy stuff that all of these football coaches say. And I think Butch Jones really ruined that for Tennessee fans because you start hearing these kind of cheesy slogans and Butch Jones was over the top with it. But a lot of that stuff, it's what college football players respond to. There's a difference in an NFL coach and a college football coach and college kids. You, you have to be a great motivator. Dabo Sweeney is a great motivator. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, he says some Butch Jones like things, but he's a great motivator. Jeremy Pruitt, there's nothing about him that's a great motivator. He is what we celebrated at first about him was that he was no nonsense, no nonsense, X's and O's. And that is why he's not going to be a great head coach in, in college football, is because he can't motivate these guys to play hard, to play. Better than what we saw last night. That's. I think that's the the long and short of it. As far as why I think he's going to fail. The biggest reason.
1: Yeah. Because people. People have been saying. Oh but it's a five year rebuild. I get it. it. It probably is. We addressed this last week too. Like the goal in five years. Is to be competing for true championships. And Pruitt is not the guy who's gonna do that it's not about the length of the rebuild it's about the guy doing the rebuilding (laughs) and this guy is not not gonna rebuild um and i in some sense i almost feel bad for pruitt i mean i don't he's got four and a half million bucks and he's gonna steal money from tennessee when he gets fired But he got brought into a situation that was horrific with a dysfunctional, flailing athletic department that had just fired an AD and hired an AD and then that AD hired you. I mean, it was a nightmare. (laughs) He came into a bad situation. And Tennessee's fan base is one of the most, if not the most intense, rabid, passionate it's what makes them amazing and what makes them crazy and hard to handle and he just got thrown in to all of that he agreed to it he agreed to it like i said tons of money i don't i'm not gonna say i feel bad for the guy he'll be fine but it is just it was just too much it was too much for him and that's the bottom line it was just too much um, and it's depressing to be in this place again, just less than three years later, but you just kind of have to take it and say, let's try it again. You got to get up dust off and cause if you don't try to continue to improve more and more and more and more, people are just going to become apathetic. Cause I've noticed that, I mean, the, the apathy is growing. Where people just go, I'm not paying a hundred bucks a ticket to go watch this. I'm just not. I got better things to do on a Saturday. And eventually, the number of people that do that adds up, and it becomes real expensive for the university to lose all those fans. Um, and you just uh, you have to do what you have to do.
2: You know, it they're in a they're in a tough spot. They're in a hopeless situation right now. It feels like because, like you said, you gotta keep trying to get better. And for 15 years now almost, it, it hasn't got better, 12 years really, since Fulmer was fired. But it it can turn around. Um, I think Miami is proof of it. Miami followed a very similar trend that Tennessee has. They were great in the late 90s, early 2000s. They've went through the wilderness with some coaches, uh, Al Golden, several that just haven't panned out. And, and Miami's been terrible in years. And now they're a top 10 team again. You know, they finally found what appears to be their guy. It can be done. You're always just one hire away. Tennessee still has top 25 talent. They've signed top 25 recruiting classes for the last five, six years. I mean, I can't remember them ever not signing a recruiting class outside the top 25. So the talent's always going to be there to be a top 25 ish team. All it takes is one or two years. I mean, Pruitt. Was right there, you go eight and five that second year. You've that's a huge opportunity to make that jump in the third year. He mm-hmm. failed. It's your recruiting, your recruits are gonna. We've already seen them start jumping ship. You, you lost your top recruit, Terrence Lewis. He probably won't be the last one. Once that starts happening, I know mm-hmm. Philip Fomer likes to preach patience, but football. In 2020, is not the same as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You don't get that five or six years because it's so much about recruiting. And if you, your recruiting starts falling off dramatically, then you, you're you in an even deeper hole then. So just like in 2016 when they should have jump-shipped them with Butch Jones, you've got to do it now. You have we to. We even, haven't
1: even talked about what Fulmer said during vol calls this week where he said he compared Pruitt. To Johnny Majors and said, well, John, he has the same record as Johnny Majors through three seasons. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't do this, Phil. We love you, man. But, you know, Hall of Fame coach, great ambassador for the university. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know what's going on. Phil's not stupid. And just, just admit it and, and move on. I mean, nobody as of right now Nobody's firing Phil Fulmer, and he he has an opportunity to try again. You're going to get a mulligan here.
2: And I don't blame it, Fulmer for hiring Pruitt at the time. No, I don't. Situation, uh, it was the best road to take.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was just one of the most ridiculous situations, probably the most ridiculous coaching search that has ever happened in the history of college football. Uh, happened at this beautiful university. What a gift. Uh, <laughs> but uh i i yeah i don't blame him at all you have a chance to to write the ship things are going well in other sports seems like your baseball coach is pretty good your basketball coach is obviously good and you kept him which is good uh, soccer won sec east um you know like things you have other sports that are looking up the the volleyball coach you hired i think they're having a, a little wobbly season this year but last year they're pretty good like there's, you, you know, like this is your, needs to be your main focus because everything else is working okay. Um,
2: and I think given the opportunity, Fulmer could probably get it right. He, I've been around so. the football program now, actually in it, seen what's going on for three years. He knows the ins and outs of it way more intricately than he did in 2017 when he just had an, you know over the weekend got hired pretty much to replace a a road athletic director which was still one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened and wasn't even the most bizarre thing about that coaching search I do worry though about Fulmer trying to hire somebody his comments this week bother me because you have gotta hire somebody that's gonna turn this thing around in one or two years you've gotta hire a big like a Lane Kiffin type guy obviously Hugh Freeze is the name that's gonna be popping up and I just I don't think Fomer would hire Hugh Freeze.
1: Yeah. Let's just move into this discussion. That is the hire that needs to happen at Tennessee. And I, and I would say I, I'm sure Phil knows that this needs to get turned around as quick as possible. ASAP. He also has financials to worry about. He has other external factors that I would say a lot of fans just don't, you know, obviously in a perfect world, let's hire urban Meyer. Sure. (laughs) Saw people saying that that last night. I, I if you could get him come on, <laughs> I would love Urban Meyer. He's, I mean, the dude is a champion. Truly, won national titles at multiple schools.
2: It, <laughs> probably he'll Urban probably win. He'll probably he'll probably win one at Texas next. If we're being honest.
1: Yes, uh, I mean you're not getting Urban Meyer. <laughs> no, because first of all, te- Texas is an easier build. The Big 12's not as good of a league. It's easier to win. Tennessee is just a, a totally bizarre situation. You got to hire the right guy for the job. You kind of have to meet at all intersections where you say it needs to be a coach who can make that quick turnaround, while at the same time it's a coach who can handle this nonsense, Urban Meyer handle could the do craziness it, that is Tennessee. He could, he could, but Urban Meyer as a person who doesn't need to, he has absolutely no need to. I mean, he's he doesn't need to go back and coach, although I think he's going to. Um, and he plays this little routine every few years where he goes, oh, "My heart, I my my daughters are. I need to go spend time with my family, and I it just you know that's who he is, and he oh, just man, but it would be so perfect. <laughs> now you got me.
2: Come in, come in for four years, and then find your Ryan Day type guy to take over the program, and you know <laughs> let's
1: not I, do this. <laughs> I, I
2: would just take heartbreak. It.
1: I would take it yesterday. But that's not going to happen. No. Come on. Um but he, to me the person that kind of meets in, in that intersection right now is Hugh Freeze. He does. But why I think Tennessee should absolutely move on in this offseason is because you have options beyond Hugh Freeze that are pretty good. Like Options where if you whiff on Freeze just because, you know, you don't offer him enough money, he chooses to stay at Liberty. Although the the talking point has been, I mean, this was reported by ESPN as that Tennessee would be his preferred job, I believe was the quote.
2: And you already don't have to compete with South Carolina now since they hired Shane Beamer.
1: Yeah, a little breaking news there. They hired uh, late last night. I think it was Bruce Feldman reported Shane Beamer is going to be their guy. Um, They just got to get that contract signed. And so you're you're not competing with South Carolina. You know Vandy's not in on that. They're going to hire some tight ends coach from East Northwest Tech, Missouri State, and uh, Auburn's not firing Gus Malzahn this year. No, um, they, they've been as is kind of true with Gus Malzahn every year. He's been just good enough,
2: <laughs> just good enough. Combine to get that job. with the pandemic, and yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. They, I, I think, and that they, that's they probably
2: where Minnesota. Terrence Lewis is going to end up. It sounds like. Yes. I mean, Auburn has is, is become a big factor for him. So you land a number 16 overall recruit that kind of buys you some equity too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I know Terrence Lewis, he, he tweeted that, oh, Tennessee is still my top school. Those dudes don't come back. No, they don't ever come back. That's uh, yeah. He's probably going to go to Auburn, but um, you do have decent options. The one that came up last night that everybody was talking about is Jamie Chadwell Coastal Carolina just looked like a really fun, really well-coached team last night. They beat BYU. And, B- I mean, BYU top, what, they're number 13 right now. Undefeated. They were undefeated till last night. Tennessee um, can't beat BYU. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Chadwell did something Jeremy Pruitt couldn't do. And he did it against a BYU team that is, I would say, far superior to last year's. Yes. Um, And so, and people he's were talking... To- he,
2: East Tennessee connections.
1: He went to everybody was saying it. He went to Anderson County High School over here in East Tennessee. Uh, I mean, that's 25 minutes from my house. I, <laughs> you know, um, and he has that connection. People. There were also the talking points of like, we need a truly proven guy, and Freeze is out there. Sure, Freeze would be my premium option. Yes, but if you whiff, and you can get a guy like Chadwell, awesome. I, I say cool yes he's not ideal but i would say jamie chadwell's uh background is very very similar to what freezes was when he took the Ole miss job freeze had been at i believe arkansas state and lambeth mm-hmm. um and he had been successful at both of those and then he went to Ole miss and he had success beat nick Saban twice yada yada we all know um and so i think Ch- chadwell has shown that he can be a good head coach where pruitt had never shown that at any level, high school or college or
2: anything. The head coaching experience is essential unless um, there's so, I know that you, you can point to guys like Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley, but those are and, and Ryan day at Ohio state. Now those are weird situations though, where you're learning from a proven head coach and you get to take over that same situation. It's the same team. You're not trying to take that culture and install it somewhere else. Yep. Those situations can work out. If you're becoming a first-time head coach, coming from another program, going to a, a program that's like in Tennessee shape, that's you're learning how to be a head coach and dealing with an impossible situation at the same time. It's usually not a recipe for success.
1: No, it's not. And so I, I look at a guy like that and I say, you whiff on freeze and you hire him, I'm still happy. If you whiff on freeze and you hire Billy Napier from my uh, UL, I get them all confused, Louisiana Lafayette? And I think Louis- it's
2: just Louisiana.
1: Louisiana, and he has found success. Uh, and he, he was in talks for the Mississippi State job last year. I mean, he's he's kind of been one of those guys that when an SEC school job opens, they go, mm, well, maybe it's Napier. You know, he's just sort of in that stratosphere. Also um,
2: Tennessee connections.
1: Yes. Uh, and so you have him down the list. Uh, if Texas hires somebody like Urban Meyer uh, – The presumed, if they miss Meyer, the presumed guy is going to be Matt Campbell um, from Iowa State, which would be an I long term. uh, It's it's easy to say Urban Meyer would go there and win. But I think long term, Matt Campbell might really be the guy that Texas needs to hire. But that's just my opinion. I think he's a really good coach
2: or Michigan.
1: uh, Yeah, Michigan um, would be good to hire Campbell, but Matt Campbell might be out there. That's a longer shot. Tom Herman at Texas (laughs) looks like he's going to get fired whenever that happens. Um, And, you know, it worked out pretty well last time you got uh, Texas's hand-me-downs. I'll say that. Um, And so, uh, you know, there's there's kind of a number of options this offseason where I kind of go the the success rate seems higher. Yes, Tennessee's athletic administration has been an incompetent dumpster fire for 15 years, if not longer. But they have a little bit of an easier situation this year because of just the coaching pool that's opening up. If you can make the financials work, and obviously that's the bottom line. If you can make the financials work, now is the time to jump, if you're asking me. It just is. For all the reasons we've laid out with Pruitt, you should do it anyway. But you have
2: a good coaching pool. Yeah, and and less competition to go against. I mean, last time... Dan Mullen might be the head coach at Tennessee right now. If Florida doesn't fire Jim McElwain. Yep. um, Do you want to give somebody else that opportunity where it's like Hugh freeze might be the coach at Tennessee right now, but they didn't fire Jeremy Pruitt or, or one of these other options. You want to be the program that steals that head coach from somebody else. Just be
1: in. Stay within that circle of guys. Don't, Draw below that now. I think people would look at Tennessee's history and say, obviously, you're going to whiff on all of those people and be left
2: um, looking stupid. Maybe <laughs> I feel I, like Billy Napier is kind of the fail safe. Like, I, I, why would he turn down the Tennessee job? Unless it's just I because know. of what he's seen. But you're going to be a, a rich guy at the end of it, even if it doesn't work out. I mean, at
1: at Louisiana, seven and seven in his first year, eleven and three last year. Currently nine and one. I mean, he won the league last year, won the Lending Tree Ball, uh, and he's gonna win the league again this year. Twenty seven and eleven overall. I mean, if if you're looking and you kind of go, that's our third option, or even I, I don't know, you could kind of switch them around, uh, Chadwell and him, and say, uh, you know, either or. Like you said, he's from Cooks, uh, Cookville. Um, so kind of a, a Tennessee dude. Uh, I, I You would be hard-pressed to tell me that it's going to get a lot better than this coaching pool if you wait a year. Because
2: if you it's wait a still... year,
1: you're going to be firing at this time next year. Let's yeah. just get that out of the way. You will be hard-pressed to be like, oh, but next year you'll have – who? I mean, it, this – like if you can fall back on like Tom Herman, dude. Tom Herman won the Sugar Bowl and beat Georgia at Texas, and they're gonna fire him. Like, if I, I take I hear Tom Herman. One
2: Tennessee fans say they don't want Tom Herman because he went eight and five or something. Like, don't Tennessee going eight and five every year at this point would be such an upgrade. Don't don't look past that at this point. You got to get to eight and five before you can get to ten wins a year. Exactly. And Tom Herman is. One hundred percent a better coach than Jeremy Pruitt. It's not even close.
1: Not even close. I mean, he was really successful at Houston.
2: Before. I'd almost take him over because here is the Hugh Freeze is the guy. Like we we know that. Like if you want to turn this around, go with Hugh Freeze. That's your Dan Mullen that Florida found. That that's that's the guy. That's your Kirby Smart. If you go with Napier. He's done good things, but he also, you know, it's not a certainty that he'd have success. He was fired from Clemson before Chad Morris was hired, and that offense really took off. He wasn't yep. the guy that set them up. He's also a Nick Saban guy. over 2 with Nick Saban guys and Dooley and Pruitt. If you go with uh your Coastal Carolina guy, Chad, is that another Scott Frost situation where Scott Frost was great at UCF? I wanted him at Tennessee badly in 2017. He's not been good at Nebraska so far. You could end up in that sort of situation. To me, the best options obviously freeze. And then I, I would go with Tom Herman. If it was me. I mean,
1: nothing, nothing is a sure thing, right? You had Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I thought for sure. I, Chip that Kelly. would be, yeah, I Chip Kelly UCLA. You look at those and you go, oh, that's a slam dunk, and it just doesn't work out. Now, of course, the you know Michigan is going to fire a guy who has had ten win seasons, but he's not, he's not doing what he has to do. He's not beating Ohio State. You got to beat Ohio yeah. State. That's the bottom line. It's like here, you got to beat, yeah. beat Florida. you got to beat Florida. You got to beat Georgia, and so. Nothing is a sure thing, even when you pay. who? How much does Michigan have to pay Harbaugh to get rid of him? It's some ungodly amount of money. Um, and they've already paid him an ungodly sum just to be there. Uh, it's never a sure thing. But you just look across the board at teams that have just hired proven winners. Urban Meyer won a national title. At Florida. He leaves Florida. Ohio State looks and they say, let's hire Urban Meyer. He won a national title. He goes to Ohio State. He wins a national title. Uh, Nick Saban. With Alabama. Nick Saban. he had won a national title at LSU. And then uh, they look around and Alabama has that option. He's with the Dolphins and they say, well, he won a national title. Let's hire him. Let's bring him in. He wins. He's the best coach of the modern era. You know, it's the greatest coach ever. And... When you, you know, you're the, the track record, I, I would I would say this. The percentage of guys that work out who, when you brought them in, they were consummate winners that you already knew were winners. The percentage of those guys working out compared to the percentage of, well, he's looked good. Maybe he's the guy who... Uh, is, the percentage of the guys that work out that are proven winners over those guys is exponentially higher, you know, when you f- bring in a proven winner, I'm not saying this great. I like,
2: well, who is one of those guys that's, that's, that's worked out. Can you even think of one? I, top of I was your trying head? to
1: think just, I'm, I'm saying obviously urban Meyer, and Nick Saban, like the, the height of that, but another one, like Gus um,
2: Malzon might be one of your only ones. that's kind of come.
1: Yeah. Like he, he did, I, I guess, you would say Dabo um, kind of came out of the obscure market and ended up being great, but like, but
2: Clemson wasn't really looking for. Yeah, he was an in-house weren't. hire. I mean, yeah, they didn't have their eye on national championships when they hired Dabo no. Sweeney. They just wanted to win, you know, nine games,
1: kind of like Tennessee right now, um, and. Yeah, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find that guy. Like, the guys...
2: They usually don't work out, no.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the guys that win are already winners when you bring them in. I guess that's a simpler way to say it. Um, they're
2: winners. They're usually big personalities.
1: Yes, almost all the time. Uh, it, there, there's not really any guys who aren't kind of a... I don't want to say like a tabloid personality, but that almost everybody that wins is somebody that like the media finds interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: that's yeah, usually Kirby
2: smart has his little rants. Nick Saban has his yeah. rants. Steve Spurrier was fun. Lane Kiffin is always fun. Exactly. It's those types of guys. Dan Molin is quirky and annoying. And because of that, he stands <laughs> out.
1: Yeah. So there are some, I, to wrap all this up, there are markers to making a successful hire. And Fulmer just needs to go down that road. Just say, look at every successful coach in college football and be like, what do they all have in common? I mean, it's not that hard of a conversation to have. And then go and try to find that guy and that guy this offseason is Hugh Freeze. That's the, we can wrap that situation up nicely with a bow there. The guy this offseason for Tennessee that kind of fits most of that criteria, although he has baggage, we all know that. We talked about it on last week's show if you want to hear that. Um, we address all the baggage, uh,
2: but you know, what's, you know, what's really, really crazy is that John Curry would be more likely to hire Hugh Freeze than Philip (laughs) Fulman. He was going to hire Mike Leach. He was, he was gonna, they had
1: sat down and Leach wanted the job and it was going to happen. And then Curry came back and got fired immediately. Um, that's true. Absolutely. Um, phew. John Curry, I mean, he, he hired, uh, Vitello with the baseball team. Looks like that he, one's going to work out decently.
2: He went to Wake Forest and hired the guy that they all like everybody. there kind of circled Steve Forbes. Like that's the guy they need to hire. And he went and got it done.
1: And I almost think like Curry is probably better off having been completely humbled by Tennessee. He may have needed that to happen in some sense, because he definitely came in with this air of I'm going to hire Shiano. It's going to be a great hire. He's uh, there was definitely you could tell Mm because he was real smarmy and kind of like, I I don't know exactly what the right word is there. But like in his pressers about it, he was sort of like, I got this under control. And then he went and made this hire and he just got his butt kicked by basically Tennessee fans literally rioting in the streets. Um, And now he's pr- honestly, he is probably better off for it because he goes now. I really have to be cognizant of what like a fan base wants, and uh, really kind of listen and try it. Like it, it would move you in the right direction. I would say so. You're welcome, Wake Forest. <laughs> we probably shaped John Curry into a better AD. Um, uh, but I yeah, you're right about
2: that. With fomer he he knows what the fans want, but. I mean, there's those rumors and rumblings that Hugh Freeze was an option to be the offensive coordinator, and oh my goodness, what if that would have happened? If he would have been on staff as the offensive coordinator, this whole thing might be different. But even if yep. it wasn't, you just promote him. But yes. for whatever reason, that didn't happen, and I I, I just don't know why, why you wouldn't hire him. I know the baggage is there, but... There's a lot of guys that have baggage. Lane Kiffin had baggage, and, and Ole Miss hired him after firing a guy with baggage. If Urban Ole Miss Myers, can hire Lane Kiffin, then Tennessee can hire Hugh Freeze.
1: Urban Myers got massive baggage. He hired from Ohio State. He hired Greg Shiano, Uh And then uh, he had a guy on his staff who the report was reportedly, allegedly, asterisk everywhere, a guy who was what am i remembering this correctly abusing his wife or something along those lines what was that blow up with his uh, it was his wide receivers coach yeah there
2: was um, text messages and they yeah, covered it up he'd been arrested i think and yeah
1: and and that whatever was, going was on there was
2: suspended for a two games or something which was yeah. made made no sense yeah i was he,
1: he had Murderers on his team at Florida, <laughs> L- lest we forget, uh, he jumped ship, uh, basically from Florida because he knew it was going down. I mean, he's not—he's not some Lily White character, but everybody wants him because he's a great coach. Well, everybody's got baggage.
2: Let's be clear, every yeah, every coach has baggage, and if you think they don't and they're a successful coach, you're just wrong. There's just—they do. Some are yeah. just better at hiding it.
1: Isn't that the truth?
2: Well, I mean, we're already kind of going
1: long. Um, let's end it on a positive note. Well, any anything additional to just add to any of that? Anything we didn't touch on that you might want to?
2: I really hope that we can just get on to the coaching search because I'm already all in at this point. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to have a lot of wasted information in my head. I saw people saying last night,
1: That Pruitt is coaching for his job next week. Yeah, I would agree. It's Vanderbilt, yeah. I I think for sure he is. I would also say even if he wins, I hope that it's over.
2: No, if he wins, they won't. I know. The only way that they fire him right now is if he loses to Vanderbilt. I think that's the only way. Especially since Florida didn't win like 55 to nothing last night. Man. Thanks, Florida. (laughs) Should
1: have run it up. (sighs) What what an awful position I have to be in. I'm not going to root for Vandy to beat Tennessee, man. That's just do do what you got to do and move on. You have great options out there. Come on. He should not be coaching for his job next week. Next week should be coached by an interim coach. That's what should happen. The Vandy game should be coached by T. Martin because Pruitt got fired. That is where we are at. Let's be completely honest. Nobody wants to say it right now. That's the truth. T. Martin should be the interim coach next week and for the AM game. And then Fulmer should be spending all of this time going out trying to find the coach. That's what should happen.
2: In my opinion, you don't have to agree with it. And you can do that, even though it's a weird thing to do. South Carolina is still playing; is hired a new head coach. You don't, yep, usually see that happen.
1: That is pretty weird that they they did the whole oh we're going to get a jump on the coaching carousel, and then they hired Shane Beamer, who I would say probably wasn't going anywhere else. Um, I don't think they were competing with a lot of schools for Shane Beamer's services. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you know, more power to him. Uh, maybe at uh, the the overwhelming I uh, uh opinion from South Carolina fans I saw last night, they were like, eh, "We'll take it." I was like, "Okay, you know, that's between you and the Lord." uh <laughs> I'll just leave it there. The fact know. they were okay
2: with Will Muschamp, I <laughs> yeah, never... that's just kind of where South Carolina is at, I guess. talk about a non-exciting hire. <laughs> Please don't hire Will Muschamp, Tennessee. Oh,
1: oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah, if you want more backlash than you had with Greg Schiano, go ahead and try that out. Um, okay, well that's it. And let's a uh, little positive note: Tennessee basketball. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. The, all, all the wood. All the wood in the state of Tennessee. Cross your fingers. Cross your toes. Tennessee has scheduled Colorado to open up their season on Tuesday. I believe. Correct? Mm-hmm. Am, am I say? Yeah, I believe it's Tuesday. So two, two days from now. We're here on Sunday. Um, thank you, Rick Barnes. Um, as if the game happens, please, please, please. You are our only hope. Please save us. Please. Uh, I need it. I need something. I'm tired of talking about firing coaches. And that's it. All right. Thanks, to everybody, for listening. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan at. Charlie underscore Burris. That's Zach TNT at A to Z sports on Twitter and Instagram. A to Z sports, for all that Zach writes, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, going to be um, coaches that Tennessee should hire. If you want a good uh, hot board, <laughs> A to Z sports, Nashville.com. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to everybody next week.
2: See you guys later.
0: Go out